Well, good morning, everyone. It's always a joy to gather with God's people. And uh, this morning, especially to have the fellowship around the Lord's, the Lord's table. And for those of you that are watching online, welcome and good morning to you as well. And we're glad that you could be a part of our service. As Pastor Todd said, please take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 4. Uh, James chapter 4 is where we'll be this morning, and uh, we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. James chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. I put uh, on the screen, um, if you can see that, if you're at home and around here in the building, there's several screens that you can look at, a verse that jumps out from this passage. And this verse says, you do not know what will happen tomorrow if there's anything pastor todd was talking about the transition from 2020 to 2021 boy if there's anything that 2020 has taught us right is that this verse is true um i am a keeper of list i am a planner uh i am a keeper of calendars i don't know if you're like that um I'm that kind of guy that has uh, my to-do list uh, on my phone. A friend of mine showed me how to do that. So all day long, my phone um, yells at me. My phone beeps about, I'll do this. And most of them, you know, I've, I've learned to ignore. And then I just, you know, switch them to the next day or whatever. Um, but I am a keeper of calendars as well. And um, to get ready for today... Uh, I actually look back on my calendar because uh, I, I had to learn some things in 2020, and, and maybe you did too. So on my calendar, and some of you know me well enough to know about this part of my life or whatever, um, the very first weekend last March, the very first weekend, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday morning, I spoke up at, uh, and some of you know right where this is, at Rock Mountain Camp, uh, up the road here a little bit. Friends of mine are on staff there, and I've been there lots of times before I was ever associated with, uh, with our church here. I spoke there when Pastor Jamie was here with the youth group several times, and I've been there a lot, and I remember that weekend there at Rock Mountain talking with the staff, the largest group that that camp hall all year long has was coming the next week, and we were all talking about this coronavirus thing that was just starting to be in the news and how it would impact our schedules, how it would impact our life. We just started to talk about that. Come to find out on that Monday, uh, and I had been praying specifically for that camp and for their ministry. Come to find out that group canceled on Monday, and actually they didn't have anything at their camp uh, for several months after that because of covid COVID-19 and the ramification. I, some of you know me well enough to know, you know, I'm a, I'm a basketball fan. And I think it was the next week 
It was either that weekend or early the next week. I don't, I don't remember. But some NBA players came down with the coronavirus, and they decided to cancel that game. I remember watching players walk off the court because they didn't want to be in you know, close proximity with other people who may have been affected by this. And then by that weekend, the National Basketball Association, professional basketball, shut down. And, uh, and then uh, I'm a keeper of lists, and I'm a keeper of calendars. And every other outside speaking engagement that I had then was canceled from then all the way up through this fall, we had we had one, right? And it, it's been a weird year. And I'll be honest with you enough, part of my uh, um, part of my income, part of that is being a speaker, is going different places and speak. And you know you know that part that I that I do, and I've had that ministry for a long time. And so I had to learn the truth of this verse. You do not know what'll happen tomorrow. And if there's anything that we've learned about 2020 or learned about life this year, it's that this verse is absolutely true. And the Old Testament talks about this as well. In Proverbs chapter 27, <coughs> in verse 1, it says this, Don't boast. We're going to talk about that word because James talks about that. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And I think the importance of that statement, of that truth in the Bible, is, is this. Quit relying on ourselves and learn to rely upon God. Because as we've all said this year, right, God's, God's got this. It's okay. We've learned that this, this year. And that's what James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 talk about. In fact, I'm going to go over this with you, but this passage has a very interesting, I think, contrast be, be, between living my way. And I admit to you, I'm a guy who struggles with that. And I want my life to be God's way. I want my life to be living for God instead of for me and, and be, so that I can boast. This passage talks about that and what I do or what I've accomplished. I want to be that guy that, that lives for God and does the will of God. And James chapter 4 uh, talks about that. So there, if you have your Bibles, let's read this passage in verses 13 through 17 of James chapter 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Verse 14, whereas or because you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Wow. Instead, James writes, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now, verse 16, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And then this, a familiar verse that we often pull out of the context. But then this verse in verse 17 says this, Therefore, to him or to them who knows 
to do good and does not do it. To him it is sin. And that is the word of God. We're going to talk about this morning, God's way or my way. And I think, to be real honest with you, that is something I think that a lot of us, that probably all of us here and listening and watching online struggle with. Is, is life about me? That I can do what I want to do where ultimately then I'll be able to boast in what I've accomplished? Or am I going to give my life, surrender my life, sovereign, over to the sovereign God of the universe and say, okay, God, you're in control. I'm going to just say, okay, God, I'm going to do your will. And that's really what this passage tells us. In James chapter 4, verse 13, it starts, I think, with a very interesting phrase in the version that I am reading from this morning, which is the New King James, if you look at chapter 4, verse 13, it says in, in, in English, Come now, you who say. If you drop down a few verses, and we'll get to this, I think next week Pastor Todd's going to talk with us about James chapter 5, but it says that phrase, the beginning of chapter 5, verse 1, Come now. Well, that's not how we talk today. If I was writing James, and, and really what James is trying to say, and I put it in big, bold letters on my PowerPoint slide, is this. Listen! What I have to say is really important. And then he says, that who, who are the ones that should listen? You who say, you know, I'm going to go to this city tomorrow, I'm going to do stay there that long, and I'm going to buy and sell, and make money and all that my plan those of you who say I have the right to live life the way I want it to live you are the ones who need to listen to this and the idea there is even those of you who say the word say there and I've talked with you about this is I love the language and I love how James uses the language it's not just you who talk you know it's not like okay tomorrow I'm going to do this and what I really mean is I'm going to trust the will of God and and all of that. It's really boasting in what I've accomplished. And, and, and the idea there is that it's a habitual boasting. And, and even, and this is, this one's interesting to me, that it's even a public boasting. Not, not many of us boast in private, do we? I go into the mirror and I look in the mirror and I'm like, boy, I'm really a good-looking guy. I don't think I've ever done it in my entire life. Most of the time I run out screaming. I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness, my wife has to look at this? You know, and it's like I don't go into the mirror and say, boy, I've really accomplished a lot. I don't boast to myself, right? We tend to boast to other people. We tend to boast. And, and I think that's the, the problem. Because when we live for ourselves, we tend to let other people know that we live for ourselves. And God isn't glorified by that. And God, it, we've demonstrated that God is not the sovereign Lord, the ruler of our lives. And I think that's what this passage is talking about. I've used the, the graphics of the arrows and so on. But there really is, in this passage, a very interesting contrast. It starts off by saying, come now, or listen, James says. And there's... There's an emphasis in what he says. There's an
all of us. The contrast in these verses, and by a little graphic on the, on the PowerPoint slide, if you can see that, is that he's contrasting those who live their lives without seeking God's will and without seeking God's direction. And don't forget that James is talking to believers here. He's talking to people who know Christ as their personal Savior and have put their faith and trust in Christ. So he's talking, in a sense, by inspiration of God to us. And he's saying that we have the ability, we have the propensity sometimes to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live life without you. I'm going to live life on my own. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to make the plans for my life without even considering. And I mentioned this a little bit last night online, or last week online. And that is, I'm, I'm a guy, to be real honest with you, that's had to struggle with that in my life. Because I am a planner. I am a, a scheduler. I've always got goals for my life and things that I want to accomplish. And I think I, I'm one of those people that have had to learn, okay, I, I'm going to do that, but only as God allows, only as God directs. Instead of saying, I'm going to run my life. Because what happens then, as we're going to talk about today, then when my plans fail, I get my life is shattered and disappointed because what I wanted to do didn't get accomplished. And meanwhile, we haven't really looked at what all that God is doing in our lives. And I think, right, 2020 has taught us that. God has got this. We've all said this. God is in control. And God has taught us some very valuable things this year, right? And he's still doing that. Pastor Todd talked about you know, Christ's kingdom. We learned that even this week with the news. His, his kingdom is not of this world. And so I think we need to realize this truth. And the other side of the coin is that those who seek God's will and his plan and are willing to say, okay, God, <coughs> I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do, and I'm okay with that. God, yes, sir. You're sovereign. You're Lord. You're God of the universe. I will do whatever it is you want me to do. And that's okay with me, right? That, and we'll talk about that today as, as we go through this. God, what do you want me to do? And I'm okay with it. Now, last week, if you had a chance to look online, we were, uh, as I did, did, did a part one and part two of this last, last week, we, we talked about that. I gave you this chart. I don't know if you could see it very well last week, but you have a version. If you, had, if you picked up the notes, the one that's beige, if you will, has this chart already filled in. And, it, and it's interesting to me that in this passage that I read to you, James 4, starting at verse 13 and going down through verse 14, or through 17, if you look at that passage, then you realize that there are, I mean, there's a very common statement. Let me read it again. Come now, those of you who say, listen to this. Those of you that live your life this way, today or tomorrow, we will go, to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Now, built into that one sentence are some very human reactions, some very human, I put in the notes, characteristics of, of people that live our lives for ourselves. And I'm trying, with my use of pronouns, I'm trying to include myself in that today because I'm one of those guys. One of those things that we tend, if we, we tend to worry about if we're living life for ourselves, is the, the time, tomorrow or today, 
I'm going to do that. Um, my life has been with students, I've been with young people, I've been over 20 years of my life on college campuses, and it's things like if I'm not married by the time I graduate, then I'm disappointed or I'm frustrated, or if I don't get a job uh, that, that fits my abilities my by this amount of time or whatever, time is one of those things that we worry about. Location is one of those things. We were talking to some people, some friends of ours that moved from the north to Florida, and it's like one of those things, well, I, I want to do this with my life, and I want to go there, or I'm not going to move away. And we tend to be people that put limits on where God, when God would take us and where God would take us. Duration is one of those things. I'm going to spend a year there. You know, I've learned in my life, right, and 2020 taught us that, that we can make up duration, we can make up plans and say, I'm going to do this for this chunk of time or this period of my life. And God has a way of saying, oh, really? You know, and... Uh, I'm going to give God, we do that, I'm going to give God a chunk of time, I'm going to give God this, and if not, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's, that's one of those things, too. Activities. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this car. I'm going to buy this house. I'm, whatever our plans are, and not that those human plans are wrong necessarily. It's wrong when we take God off of the throne of our life, and then the goal or the end result of our activity. And that's when frustration comes in, and that is, if I don't make, to use the word that's here, if I don't make a profit, if I don't have this accomplished in my life, then, uh, then I'm frustrated. And, and I think really the idea behind this is this, and that is, I, I think the characteristics of living life for ourselves boils down to this, and I, I'm talking to myself here too. And that is we tend humanly to get frustrated and disappointed if things don't go our way. The time, the duration, the end result, that's when frustration and disappointment comes into our life because my plan, my human plan didn't get accomplished. And I think that's the idea of trying to live life my way. And that's the frustration, that's the disappointment that comes, the characteristics of living life for ourselves. So... Let's talk about the contrast in this passage quickly this morning. The contrast is this. Whereas, because you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Boy, my goodness. That's, again, we've learned that this year. That we don't have any idea what's going to happen. And maybe, maybe that's a good thing because that keeps us relying upon Almighty God for what God has for us. And so... He goes on to say, what is your life? We'll talk about that in a second. It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. If you're like me, you don't want your life to be that way, right? A vapor, you go outside in a cold, cold day, you know, and uh, the condensation, you know, the vapor, and then it vanishes. Or you take a cup of hot coffee outside and it steams for a little while and then it's gone away and human lives and human accomplishments are like that. Instead, James says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this 
or that. And that's the contrast that I want to talk about. So I'm a guy that tends to think in charts. So let's talk about this living for God in this contrast that's in this passage. And I'm going to do this uh, quickly today, but let me just give you these, these characteristics, first of all, of living lies for ourselves. On the left side of that, of that chart, on the left side of that chart, I'm going to take from this passage, there are four problems, if you will, negative results that come from living lives, living our lives for ourselves without really considering what God's will is for my life. Let me do this quickly, and then we'll talk about advantages of living life God's way. But here's number one. The first problem in living life for ourselves is that our life, and we are very humanly, we are very, very prone to do that, is that that attitude is very self-focused, me. I'm not going to take the time to turn there in your Bibles, but in your, in your Bibles, there's a story in Luke chapter 12 about a man that builds the barn and he doesn't have enough. So he says, I'm going to tear down my barn and I'm going to build greater. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And Christ has to confront in, in that story and say, you know, you're, you're selfish. You're living life for yourself. And that's the problem with this is that our lives become very self-focused. Now there's two, right? There's two results of that. Number one is it's very easy. It really is. And I know, right, I mean, I know it's not, it's not you or me we're talking about. It's other people, right? But it's very easy, humanly, to have a Superman syndrome that tells you how old I am. I think you can tell about how old someone is by the superheroes. And I grew up watching, you know, Superman TV show and, you know, and all of that. And Superman, I mean, a guy that could handle anything. And I think, I think that's the problem. Is if we go through life humanly having this Superman handle, you know, ha uh, syndrome, I, I got this. I can handle this. The problem is, first of all, let me tell you a secret. You're not Superman. And we're not God, and we're not Lord of our lives. And the problem is that we're human and fail often. And, and I think that's the first problem, is, is having this self-focused life, is I got this. And, and I think if that's what's happening in our lives, then that ought to be a, a, a flashing warning light. I think the other problem about living a life that's very self-focused is that we're... If we're, if we're that way, living a life that's very self-focused, first of all, like I said, it might be the Superman syndrome. And I, and I ended by saying, hey, you're not Superman. We're not. And so that, that leads us to the result number two of living a life that's self-focused, and that is you're going to fail. And there's going to come to times in our lives when we're way over our head and we don't know what to do. And after... Humanly, we do this. After we've ruined our lives and after we've fallen into the pit of dumb mistakes in our life, then we cry out to God. Right? Don't we do that? Then we cry out to God. And God is always gracious. I think God puts us in, play, in situations where we have to cry out to him and learn that lesson. And I think maybe 
it's a better plan to learn it from Scripture than to learn it from difficulties in our life. The second thing is living for ourselves lives to, leads to an uncertain future. I'll tell you another secret. Number one is you're not Superman. Number two is you, you do not know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't know about the future. And if you're like me, if you're a planner and a calendar keeper, what happens if all of that is shattered? What happens if that goes away? What happens if COVID happens and our schedules change? I think we need to realize that we don't know what the future holds. And you don't either, and I don't either. But I'll tell you a secret, God does. And that's why we ought to live our lives. God, if it is your will, I'll do that. Because I'm okay, because he is the God who knows the future. Praise God for that, right? Number three, of the, 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 this approach of living lives for ourselves actually wastes time. In the text that's here, I highlighted it a couple times when I read the passage. But it, look at verse um, the end of verse 14. Let me read verse 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For then it says this, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It, I, I think that there's a, uh, you know, uh, I mean, in, in English language, vapor vanishes. The alliteration that's there in the English, vapor van, uh, vanishes. And I talked about illustrations, our breath in a cold day being outside or the steam on our cup of coffee. And our life is like that. And if we live our lives totally for ourselves and then we come to the end and it's gone and life goes on. The contrast in this passage, and we'll talk about this in just a second, is that God's will lasts forever. God's will lasts for eternity. God's will God's will matters. And I don't know about you, but we tend to be people, even if you're a calendar keeper or have a to-do list or whatever, we tend to be people that waste time and waste our lives too. And living for ourselves, frankly, is a waste of time, is a waste of a life when we ought to be doing something that matters for eternity, right? Number four, is this outlook causes arrogance and sin. It's interesting in this passage, it, it really is, that this, this passage uses words like evil and like sin. And I mentioned before, verse 17 is a verse that we often take out of context and say to him that knows to do good and does not to him it is sin. Well, it's in a passage of doing the will of God. It's in a passage of doing the right thing. One of the things that we're doing, and there's a graphic for those of you that are in the room, in a frame on the table, the literature table, one of the things that we've been doing on Wednesday nights is talking about, Pastor Todd mentioned it this morning, the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Two weeks ago I talked with you about that. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. And we talked about the commandments and how many commandments there are in the Old Testament, how many commandments there are in the New Testament. But don't forget this, folks, that the last thing that Jesus said in the Great Commission, the last thing, go into all the world. As you go, make disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Okay. I think it's pretty clear from Scripture 
that God has told us what to do. God has told us, and it's specific things, like, like of the priorities that Christ had for his life. And so it's in that context then that he writes, James writes um, to him who knows, to them who knows to do good, and does it not to him, it is sin. Because, folks, and I, my goodness, I'm talking to myself too. And that is God's word is clear about what he wants us to do. The priorities in God's word. About, and you can, I mean, the Holy Spirit's big enough to apply those to our lives without me having to do that. Of things that we know and then we willfully choose not to do that. And the Bible says those things are wrong. We're living life for ourselves instead of building into our life the priorities that are God's priorities. The contrast in this passage is this. Number one is there are advantages to acknowledging God's sovereignty. We talked about that. Remember if you, if you were here a few weeks ago when we were doing the attributes of God on Wednesdays for the church family time? We talked about God's sovereignty. That God is totally in control. Living our lives for the will of God acknowledges that. God, you are God. You are in control. If the Lord wills, I, I'm okay with that. That's number one. Number two is that accepts God's plan for our lives. <clears throat> Which also means this, that if God changes our plan, that we're okay with that. And that's one of those things that I've had to learn in my, in my life. That if God changes that. I've had, I've had so many of those kinds of things happen in my life. I'll tell you. I'll tell you about one where God changes my plans. Peggy and I got engaged when I was in college. I was a youth pastor major when I went to college. That's what I wanted to do. Peggy and I were dating. I'm sure it came up, you know, Mel, what are you going to do when we graduate? Are you going to be gainfully employed? <laughs> you know, um, you know, all those, I want to be a youth pastor. I want to be a youth pastor for a long, long time. And we got um, the opportunity, the weekend that I graduated from Bible college, we got an opportunity to candidate in a church outside of Detroit. And so we, I remember we candidated, we drove out Interstate 80, out through uh, Pennsylvania, out through Ohio, got to Toledo, you know, drove north in Toledo and went to Detroit. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what's this kid from Montrose doing in Detroit? You know, and then we went to the town where we served and ended up serving this church as a youth pastor. And we were there as a youth pastor, and things were great. My senior pastor and I got along great. Probably, probably the closest friend and mentor I've ever had in my life. And, and life was great. And one day on a Saturday, Pastor Roger Mills, my pastor, got sick and he checked himself into the hospital and come to find out it was acute leukemia. And my pastor, my best friend, my mentor, passed away, died six weeks later. I had to officiate the funeral of my pastor, very popular successful man of God in that church. 
I was scheduled to preach in our church, 800, 900 people maybe on a Sunday morning, the Sunday after he died, Sunday after the funeral. Friday, his funeral. I had to officiate the funeral for my pastor. And Sunday, I'm the guy that has to fill the pulpit after he's gone. I don't know about you. I'm like, what do you say in a time like that? The chairman of the deacons, and I'm just telling you a, a time in my life where God, this is just one, where God changes the direction of our lives, of, of my life. And the chairman of the deacons in our church asked if he could give an announcement that morning. So I'm like, sure, you know, buddy, whatever you want to say is fine. It didn't even hit me that I ought to ask, what are you going to say? Never even hit me that I ought to ask. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about what do I say to the church that has just lost their loving shepherd. What do you, that's what I'm thinking about. And the chairman of the deacons got up that Sunday morning and he said, the deacons and I had this meeting and we recommend that Mel becomes the interim pastor of our church. All in favor, please say aye. And everybody, aye, you know, and I'm like looking at Peggy. He's like, what, what just happened there? Literally, in one minute of my life, I went from being a youth pastor to being a senior pastor of a big, of a big church. Literally. What do you do? I got up front, and I'm like, uh, thank you. Now turn your Bibles to, you know, and uh, God, and there's, there's more. I mean, there's, there's a ton more. I told you one last week about the day that I went into my job just a few years ago at the college and found out that my whole department was being let go because of budget cuts. In one day of my life, my whole life changed. So those things keep happening. And I think that's why it's important that we acknowledge God's sovereignty. God, it's okay with me. And that we accept God's plan. Looking back on my life, and I'm, I'm old enough to have a few other stories than a couple I just told you this morning, to realize that God's plan is always perfect and God's hand is always active. We tend to look at when things get messed up as a problem and we, we tend to get frustrated and disappointed if we're living lives for ourselves. I think the third advantage of following God's will is that we can ask God for his direction. There have been lots of times in my life where I've said, God, help! <laughs> what do you want me to do? I did that. I mean, just a few years ago at the co- after I left the college, and I did the resume thing, 100 resumes. You know, I'm, I'm a guy, hey, I, I can get a job, and then I, I couldn't. But through all of that, you realize it accepts God's direction. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean on the Lord, and, and, and we, we, we follow His, we, we lean on our own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will, He will, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, He will direct thy paths. To acknowledge God's plan for our lives is a, is a great thing. Number four, it allows eternity. The advantages of living for God Remember the illustration I talked about, about the vapor that vanishes? Living for God allows eternity to take precedence over temporary. And that's also a lesson, friends, I've had to learn in my life. 
is that I would much rather do something that matters for eternity than do something that uh, is temporary, that's going to vanish like the vapor. And we'll talk about that at, at the end, at the very bottom of that second page of notes. It uses that phrase. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. In the, in the middle there, there's, there's an outline about a passage from Abraham, the life of Abraham in Genesis. And I think for right now, we're going to skip over that. And, and I, actually, I've talked with you about that passage before. And so let's look for a minute at, at the end of this. There's a, on the top of the second page of the notes there in the middle, there's, there's this chart where a list of several of the verses in Scripture that use the phrase, the will of God. Sometimes do that study. Sometimes look it up. What does the Bible say about doing the will of God? And, and, and so I just put that in there for your benefit. And then this verse. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17. And we're going we're gonna to stop here after this. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17 says this. 1 John 2, well, let me read verse 16 too. All is in the world, 1 John 2, 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And then this, and the world is passing away, and the desires of it. But he or the one who does the will of God abides forever or lasts forever. If there's one thing that we need to learn about the will of God is that God's will matters for eternity. After everything I've said today and after everything that you know, and you know a lot about the will of God from Scripture, it's this. If you do the will of God, then you're doing something that matters and something that matters for eternity. And I've told you before, my, that's my life verse. In my office up at my house, I actually have two different plaques that have that verse. The one who does the will of God abides forever. Because one of the things that God has taught me personally in my life is that I'd rather do something that matters for eternity than doing something that's going to vanish away and disappear and not matter a whole lot. And I think that's the lesson of James chapter 4, to going back to that passage. The contrast of living life for me or living our life for God. We're gonna come, we'll, we'll come back and talk about that passage from Genesis and Abraham's life later on. But look at the back of the page, the back page of the notes today. And with this, I'm going to be done. One of the things that I have learned, one of the things that I have learned from James is in, in, where it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. One of the things that the book of James has taught me is that the purpose of the word of God is not just to hear something and walk away, but to respond by saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And if we're going to talk about it, and we did talk about the will of God for our lives, where, the, where James says, instead you ought to say, 
The will of God is this. And, and again, I've told, I told a couple stories this morning about times in my life where I've had to totally accept God's plan for my life and be okay with it. Is that it ought to drive us to the scriptures and say that our application for this morning then is, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Remember I said that the commands of Scripture are clear. And it might be something that God is specifically saying in Scripture about what he wants to do. It might be a life direction thing. But I think the application today, the end result today, needs to be, okay, God, what do you want me to do? So let me pray, and we're going to be done. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. And again, I think that if James... One, you know, talk, be doers of the word and not, not hearers only. Then there are times, lots of times, maybe all the time, where we come to the word of God and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do based upon what I've heard today? So I'm going to give you a chance to pray. And then I'll pray and then we'll be done. And our prayer is, God, what in my life, what do you want me to do? I want to do the will of God, not living for myself. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And in this passage that we looked at today, God, there is this contrast where James, in, in writing, yells out, Listen to those of you who do, who do this. Today or tomorrow, I'm going to go here and I'm going to sell and I'm going to make money and I'm going to live life for myself. And James there also says, by inspiration of God, instead... It needs to be that we give our lives to your will and that we acknowledge your sovereignty and we accept your plan and we ask for your direction. And Father, I pray that you would help me in my life to live my life acknowledging and accepting your will for my life, which means I'm going to take the things, Father, that your word specifically says you want me to do and I'm going to live that way. Because I want my life to matter for eternity. And James talks about that. That life, human life is a vapor that vanishes. But the one who does the will of God, your word says, abides forever. So Father, I pray that for my life and for my kids and for my grandkids, for my family, that all of us would be people that would, for our church family, that we would be people that would say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, and I'm going to do your will. I'm going to be committed to your will for my life. I think that's the lesson from today. So, Father, I pray that you'd work in our lives as a church, as individual people, and that, that we would see your hand, which life has a way of doing that, and that we would respond by saying, okay, God, Okay, God, I'll learn. When you change my plans, I'll learn. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do for your honor, for your glory, for eternity. 
Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, thanks for the opportunity to share God's word today, and thanks for coming. I hope this is a a blessing and maybe spiritually speaking, a kick in the pants a little bit about living our lives for God. Thanks. Thanks, everybody.